Welcome back to the Man Catholic Podcast. I'm Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Words. And I'm Brock Martin. Today we are asking the question, as men, what can we learn from the Eucharist? As men. As men. All right, guys, so what we don't want to do today is go into a big theological dissertation on the Eucharist. Uh, what we don't want to do is get into too heavy of the practicals of the Eucharist. What we do want to do is talk about how, as men, as men, as men, we can learn from the Eucharist. What is it teaching us? No, I, I think even before we get in that, as men, I think it's good to give a shout out to Joe Moran, who, listener of the show, but but has commented that me, Steve, and Thomas, that we say as men. Mostly before. Brock and Thomas. <laughs> Joe, we've given Joe a lot of shout outs, but Joe's an avid listener. Down in Thanks for the feedback, Joseph. So as men, we want to listen to Joe, but no, on a serious note, what can we learn from the Eucharist? I do, Steve, thanks for setting it up, because I think when we go into the Eucharist, it's very easy to get super into the theological weeds. So like you said, we're not trying to get there. We also were not trying to get crazy practical. I think this conversation is stemming from our friendship and some of the ways that we've been talking about the Eucharist and ways that it applies to our lives as men, I think particularly as fathers, and and we'll see that come out. I I said it again, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) So we have a few points. And the first one is, as we remember what the Eucharist is, it's simply Christ himself. It is sacramentally Jesus Christ, his body, his blood, fully his, all his divinity, soul, body, blood, soul, divinity. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brock. Appreciate as you helping me out there. I was going to tap out for a second. And so as, as the Eucharist is given to us, as he gives himself to us, it should remind us that our goal in life, it, as in that moment, as we receive him in the Eucharist, our goal in life is that unity with him. Mm. Here and now, as much as possible, this side of heaven, but then ultimately for eternity. Yeah. And if we can see that every time... We go to Mass, we go to adoration, we think of the Eucharist, and my life is meant to, to know, love, and serve Him, to be with Him for eternity. It's that unification, that unity with Him. I think we're in a better place. I, I mean, when I remind myself of John 6 as Christ is trying to give us the teaching of the Eucharist, and He's like, no, you really have to eat the bread and drink the blood, eat the flesh, uh, gnaw on it, chew on it, actually, in the translations, and to drink the blood. It freaked everyone out, and, and rightly so. Like, when in the history of the world did a God ever say, you actually need to eat me? Yep. And as I sit here and I look at this point and think about unity with God, there is no other human way to be more unified. Right. Even the, the marital embrace would yep. be the closest thing, but that's still it's 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 great, but it's not the same. Like but but for a God to say, like, I wanna be so close to you, so close to your heart that I am going to be consumed that by you. Weird, huh? yeah. Like it's so humbling, but it's it's there's no more unifying way. Right. I mean, it's I, I can't think of it. It's the close yeah. physically, like to be consumed, to be inside of your body. Sharing molecules with us. Well, yeah, and you are what you eat, right? Like he actually, those molecules become, become our you, cells. Our, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, just the genius of Intimacy. him to say, I want to be so intimate that I want to be consumed by and you. And it's kind of a gift, too, in the sense of we are body-soul. And if it was just an immaterial intimacy, it's hard to, it's hard to grab wrap our minds around yeah, it, right? I mean, this, but this is, is not wearing a, a cross necklace, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's unifying. That's, that's outward display of, of a relationship, but this is more unifying. This than is sex. infinitely more unifying than sex. Yeah. But I mean, his grace is present in us, right? And that's a, that's an immaterial presence of God, his life, mm-hmm. but this is a material presence. So mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's our, as our father recognizing us that he made us material, immaterial, 
mm-hmm. right? Body, soul. So he gives us both intimacies. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I'm, I, um, I'm actually really edified that you went that direction, Steve, because my mind went a different direction. Um, but I do love that. I want to say when it comes to unity with God, um, St. Augustine defines peace as the tranquility of order. And I think for, for guys to realize that, that recognizing that our life's ultimate aim is unity with God and everything that helps us accomplish that is good and should be promoted and everything that hurts that should be weeded out and destroyed, that, that is such a unifying principle for our lives that when you recognize that's the number one goal, I think it, it, it's, it does a good job of kind of shaping the other goals in our lives in subordinate ways, right? Like I recognize that my desire for a good education or my kids to be healthy, those all fall underneath that. And so I just think that when we are able to remember that unity with God is our ultimate purpose, it has a great, it brings peace to our life because it, it orders and structures everything else underneath that. Amen. So another another point on what we learned from from the Eucharist as men is how important it is for us to remember we're called to lay our life down. And in Ephesians five, it talks about men imitate Christ, right? And and that concept of being willing to lay our life down. And we talk about Shamar in Genesis two and and guarding and protecting, but sacrificing, being a servant leader, is what we're called to be. And as guys, we really need to embrace that. And we see that Jesus laid his life down on the cross and he lays it down. He reminds us of that every single mass when it's represented, Calvary is represented on the altar. And he, he's hopefully inspiring us every time we receive him. We, we see him in the Eucharist to, to recommit to being able to, willing to lay our life down. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, I think it's Gaudium Spes 22 or 23, where it says that man only finds himself through a sincere gift of self. And I do think that the world offers us so many opportunities to be selfish and to make ourselves the focal point. It's as much money, pleasure, power, influence, like all the things. It's it's always focused on me. But the church in her wisdom, you know, relaying the truth of our nature that, no, actually, you will never be happy until you realize that your life is meant to be a gift. It's meant to be given away. It's not about you. And the Eucharist can help us here. We can We can remember, we can rediscover that truth that our life is a gift when we receive him who comes to us and so humble of a gift what looks like a piece of bread you know Mm -hmm. and again it's just the greatest example so it's he's not just giving us a teaching uh, he's giving us an example he's demonstrating what this means so the night before he gave us that ultimate sacrifice on the cross is when he gave us this ultimate gift of the eucharist at the last supper when he finally said take eat this is my body this is my blood which i am laying down for you which i am giving to you so that at every moment in every tabernacle in the world we can worship him worship him i i I mean there's a loss of words there we can worship him we can find him we can approach him we can we can confide in him we can find this intimacy in him and what breaks my heart is walking into an empty church Hmm. because there he lies and wait for us after having laid himself down for us and he's just waiting and again he's not an angry god um he who wants us to come visit him and if we really believe that the Eucharist is really real, it's hard to ever leave a church with a tabernacle with his true presence, right? It should be. We should be, we should be clawing for, for the reception of the Eucharist in daily Mass. We should visit him often. I, I don't as often as I should. Mm-hmm. Totally guilty of that. 
No, it reminds me. So part of my role with Focus is I help serve a number of the parishes in the Archdiocese of Denver to bring discipleship to the parishes. And one of there was a, a girl who had just moved to the Denver Focus headquarters a couple years ago. And so I, I help some of the new people learn how to plug into their parishes and get involved. And this gal and I went out to, to lunch just to see how she could get plugged in. And she said that she was picking this particular parish. And I thought it was interesting because I knew that was quite a drive for her. And she said, no, Brock, I'm picking this parish because when I walked in, I just knew that this this Jesus, this tabernacle was the loneliest tabernacle in this city. Mm. That Jesus here, more than anywhere else, people just walk by and don't stop. And so I wanted this to be my parish where I could come meet Jesus here. And I was like, Sweet. I was almost moved to tears. This is awesome that you that you see it that way. Um, but I do think that 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 aspect of laying laying our lives down, um, we have a lot to learn from Jesus in the Eucharist mm. here. Mother Teresa once said, "Love until it hurts." And then keep loving, and then you'll have no more hurt and only love, which is crazy to think about because when you give of yourself, it does hurt because we are selfish. But that, I think, brings us to the, to the next point that we need the bread of life. We need the source and summit of our faith. We need the nourishment that Christ gives us of himself. Yeah. You know, men, we, we like to think often. I work with college athletes. Man, they're, the guys are... They've worked hard. They've done a lot with their skill sets, with their gifts, and, and there's a, an air of self-sufficiency often with especially these D1 guys that are bigger than life, right? And, and I think all of us as men tend to, to fall in that temptation. I've done this. I've built this. I've got this. I'm good. And we got to remind ourselves. And hopefully when we see that humble little piece of bread that is Christ, we're reminded that I need his grace, his nourishment. Mm-hmm his body. And that's the third point, right? Is that this is not just an activity to check the box on a Sunday when you go to mass. Sure. I'll receive the Eucharist. Um, or we enjoy it or, um, yeah, there's, there's pleasure seeking as Brock was going into earlier, but this is about an actual need that we have, that we are less without it, that we need to be nourished, as Thomas said, by the Eucharist in order to fulfill the mission that he has for us. When I think about the reality that we need to be nourished by the Eucharist, it, it reminds me of one of the points that Dr. Brant Petrie makes in his book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, which huge plug for that book, um, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist by Dr. Brant Petrie. It's simply the best book on the Eucharist that I've read in the last five years. Hmm. Um, but one of the points he makes in there is, is if you go back and you look at the Exodus, the Exodus story, right, which is a type, it's, it's typology of the Christian Exodus, of our Exodus from sin. We get to see this played out in the life of the Israelites as Moses leads them to freedom. And while they were on this journey, like on the journey to experience freedom, the Lord gave them miraculous bread in the desert. And this miraculous bread was to feed them. Exactly. This was to feed them on their journey. And and right, the journey was obviously a physical journey, a a get out of physical slavery into physical freedom. But more importantly, it's a spiritual journey Mm -hmm. to, to leave the slavery of sin into the freedom of life in God. And so we should expect, Dr. Petrie says in the book, and I love this, we should expect that this exodus that we are experiencing, the one from sin into life in Christ, our spiritual bread should be even more miraculous than the spiritual bread that the, the Hebrews got. Amen. And, and I just think we need his nourishment, not in a like, I need the, the, the physical bread to give me energy while that does happen. No, my soul starves for the Eucharist more than my lungs starve for oxygen. And I, we don't think about that mm-hmm. often enough. It's, it's amazing. Amen. My son, my year old son, I think it was just last night or two nights ago, he randomly was sitting at the dinner table and he's like, dad, is it hard being a dad? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, sometimes it's hard, but it's the greatest thing ever. And 
why do you ask? He, I, I don't know why he asked. I can't remember. I don't think he had any particular thing. Maybe he was discerning he, he his can vocation. Because it, it looks like it's really <laughs> hard, Dad. Why are you angry all the time? <laughs> I know. But it, 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 it is hard, right? It is hard to, to, to be a good dad, uh, I should say. It's, it's easy to impregnate a woman, perhaps, but it's hard to be a, a, father. a good father and, yeah. and to, to be selfless. And uh, just that point of we need that nourishment. We need the Eucharist. We need our Lord and his grace. And related to father, the, the last point, at least, that I, that I would bring up, I don't know if you guys have other ones that have come to mind in our conversation, but you think of, uh, you mentioned the lonely church. Both of you guys did. You know, where Christ lays in wait. And I think that's a beautiful image of he's there present. The God of the universe is there present, sometimes mm. by himself, sometimes Gosh. in an adoration chapel with one old lady, but he's there being present for us. Mm. And how we, especially as young dads or old dads or friends, brothers, we need to be present yep. as well to the people in our life, stranger, those we love, and just to be present. And that's very hard to do in our day of, of distractions. And we've had different podcasts about different things and cell phones and screen time and TV and cable and sports and all that stuff we've talked about. But are we present, truly present? Because all we have in life, apart from our free will, if we want to get really theological, but all we have is the present moment. Yeah, It's the only time we can love. We can't love yesterday. We can't love tomorrow. Hopefully we will, but we only have now. And are we present? Mm. I'm reminded of a story from my first year on campus as a missionary with Focus Down at Baylor University. I remember in the first couple of weeks on campus there leading a Bible study for a group of guys that I had just met and none of them showed up. And I remember I was really ticked. Like all week I had been, you know, getting excited for this. And I remember nobody showed up. And I remember on my way back to my apartment, I, w- I stopped by the chapel, just ticked off. And, uh, so I was like, Lord, thanks. I'm your missionary. I'm like fundraising my salary, giving up years of my life to do this. And really, you're not going to let anybody show up. Thanks a lot. And immediately I could just, in my heart, I just sensed Jesus being like, yeah, that's what it's like every time you show up and don't pray or forget to pray altogether. Yeah, <laughs> I was pong, like, oh pong. man. Um, but I do think there's something there that, that to, to be present. Um, you know, we pray every Sunday in the creed, we're speaking about Jesus through him, all things were made. That's the dude that's sitting in the tabernacle that we have access to, to go talk to, to hear encouragement from, inspiration from. Through him, all things were made. And frankly, most of the time, we just don't think it's worth it to go talk to him. Yeah, and we, we suck. And then imitating that, how often do we, can, how can we imitate that with our kids, Thomas? I think that's a great point of how can we be present even when it doesn't feel like it's being worth it because that's what our Lord does for us. I just, yeah, there's so much there. Just being in the presence of Christ will change us in the Eucharist. And I think... As a dad, for those of you that are dads, you know that just being fully present to your children is powerful. And that's not boasting. That's just the significance of what it is to be a a father. Hmm. Just being present to your children will impact their life. And not to the same degree. It's not supernaturally transforming their soul like the Eucharist is in grace. But but it's, it's important. And so hopefully that Eucharist and knowing that Christ is there present will remind us too that we just we just need to strive to be present to the best that we can as well. Yeah, guys. So when I was in college, I heard this analogy and I I am not a scientist, so I don't know how accurate it is, but it makes sense. And it, it goes something like this, that if you were to sit in a room with plain uranium in a matter of hours, in a matter of days, you'd be riddled with cancer and be killed. Imagine doing the same thing in the same room, same amount of time with the Eucharist, something supernatural, not natural. You won't be riddled with cancer, but imagine the impact that it would have on you just sitting there, just in the presence of it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Brock, I don't always pray when I go to pray, 
But if I am still in the presence of the Eucharist, there is still powerful oh, yeah. impact happening. Oh, yeah. And so if you don't know how to pray, if you get intimidated by that, just go sit in a church with the Eucharist. Just do that for 10 minutes. Obviously, don't be on your phone while you do it, but just sit. Just yep. sit and listen and just be. And imagine what the impact could happen on you and on your soul and on your body by doing that. If a natural element of uranium can kill you, imagine what the Eucharist could do. Mm. Mic drop. Yeah, I love that. So I, I think, I mean... There's a lot we can learn from Christ in so many different ways, but particularly we're thinking about the Eucharist and, and what that is, the mystery, the beauty, um, and, and just, just some, some reminders that we can learn as, as guys, as males, as men. And so hopefully, yeah, there's something there. Yeah, think about this next time you go to Mass on a Sunday and think about receiving the Eucharist and think about these things and why we need it. Yep. why it's nourishing us and bringing us closer to God. And, and it's a reminder of him laying down his life for us and our call to lay down our lives. And then just the, the reality of the power behind his presence. And maybe one encouragement, if you can make one more daily mass a part of your habit, build it into your lunch hour or a 6 a.m. mass before work, yep. um, see if there's a way that you can receive the Eucharist more frequently than you currently do. And maybe you're you're actively living apostolate you work for focus or another apostolate or a different missionary organization or you're, you're taking your faith pretty seriously what about on saturdays i know even as a focus missionary getting a holy hour on saturdays that that was never a successful endeavor for, for a long period of time um and so I, I think that these are areas that we can always be pushing ourselves in but uh what we can learn from the eucharist one unity with god that's that's the end purpose two we're called to lay down our life. Three, we need his nourishment. And four, he's present, so we must be present. I think those are those are great marching orders for all of us as men to take into our life as men. Thanks, Joe Moran. That's it for the Man Catholic Podcast. We'll catch you next time as men. God bless. Ooh.